we had funding, but the, the situation was, is that I was in between deals. And you know, when you're in that situation, you need cash, right? So especially when we had that 30 day window. So I had to basically create about a half a million dollars in cash. And I, and, and for this particular deal, I didn't want to bring in a partner. As an operator, I know other investors are romanticizing multifamily investing, and I'm looking to learn from other investors' mistakes. I know you are too, and you found the right place. Welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. I'm your host, Jerome, and I got the great pleasure of having A. Donahue Baker with me today. Brother, how are things up in Jersey? Uh, it's, it's, uh, we, we struck by COVID. You know, we on lockdown. It's a, a time to really just nestle at home and, and do things around the house that you uh, put on procrastination mode for months and months. So that's really it. Just spending time with the fam and, and, and trying to be safe as possible. Yeah, man. So I was uh, surfing and doing a little bit of research before the podcast and I saw you on the front lines, man. Evidently, you guys are locking arms and doing something for the first line responders. Absolutely. So we're actually uh, donating uh, a number of different PPEs um, to different municipalities in all over a hundred and uh, 130 different PPEs that we're giving out to different uh, municipalities, really the hospital, the uh, healthcare workers that are short on supplies, really helping them um, in three different cities. And, uh, and, and the rest over is, is, is to the individual mayors and they're going to appropriate it wherever they see fit. So just trying to do my part and uh, I linked up with Naughty by Nature that the hip hop group Naughty by Nature and uh, they're predominantly uh, the driving force behind it and, and uh, media has, has taken hold. Uh, it's been like right up with definitely the local press, but it got picked up by the national press too. We were on, uh, they're doing a, I think they're doing a write up on TMZ that's gonna air I think sometime this week. So uh, it's interesting, but it's still, it's, it's, it's a good a good cause and it's, we're doing something that's really impactful. So I feel great about it. That's yeah. awesome, man. So if the listeners want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? The best way to get in contact with me is probably my cell phone. Uh, but I will give you my cell phone. But the, but the second best way to get in contact with me is through social media. You can follow me, A. Donahue Baker, on all platforms pretty much. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, Twitter. Um, that that's basically the best way to get in contact with me, A. Donahue Baker. Perfect, perfect. Some guys come on and throw the cell phone number out. I'm like, look, guys, it's probably not because. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I mean, I try not to get blown up, but you know, if, if there's a need, whether it's you know, a lot of people reach out to me for deals, like they'll they'll, they'll find a deal. It's cool. Like I, I like to analyze deals because I'm a CPA by nature, but. The fact of the matter is I expect a certain amount of due diligence before I even get the deals. So um, so that that's like my only caveat. And then a lot of people also come to me for financing or funding. Um, you know, that's another a whole nother thing because I basically show people how they can 
create money from just either their business credit profile or through syndication model or through my network of other people that I joint venture partner with. It's always coming to me saying, look, whenever you get the next deal, you know, I got a couple hundred grand I'm looking to put in for the right deal. So depending on what bucket it is, I usually try to help out as much people as possible. And uh, it's usually, you know, where I get the call. So I, I like to leave my line open for those people. Understood. <laughs> also, if I could, man, I, I got this book. It's called Generational Wealth. That's the key. I definitely want to put it out there for your listeners. If any, any of you guys are interested in, in creating generational wealth, all you have to do to get the book is actually subscribe to my YouTube channel, A. Donahue Baker, and also uh, join the private Facebook group, uh, Generational Wealth Builders, and the book is yours free to help you on your journey to creating generational wealth. So uh, I definitely wanted to, to, to put that out there in case uh, any of your listeners are interested in building generational wealth. So with that, do me a favor and give the listeners a little bit about your background and what your current focus is, if you don't mind. Sure. Well, I am a, a CPA by trade, so, but I don't practice anymore. I had a practice at one point, sold my practice. So now I'm 100% real estate. I'm really a real estate developer. Um, I own over 500 units in three different cities. And my goal really is to continue that, that road and build generational wealth. Now, my primary focus has really been apartment complexes. But uh, as far as, as, as recent as last week, I recently uh, I have a, a strip mall that's under, under contract right now. So that's something that uh, I'm, I'm kind of getting into some more commercial space because the, re the value of retail is dropping, dropping. And great deal, it came up and it was something that had some cash something that I, I figure I could uh, just scoop up, put in a portfolio. So I'm still actively purchasing and still actively uh, building my portfolio uh, as we go. Perfect. And so I think we get the opportunity to talk about one of your conventional deals and multifamily today. Give us a little bit of background on the deal that we're going to talk about and let's run into the missteps. Sure. So deal we're talking about today, 75 unit apartment complex, um, that I was able to purchase from a private owner. And um, really, it was a sweet deal from a number of different perspectives, but there was some errors that occurred along the way. And one of the key missteps was when I first acquired it, I did not have the funding that I needed in place to acquire the property. And I think that the value from this conversation is finding out alternative means of funding and I'll go, I guess, later on in the conversation, we can do a deep dive into the solution or how it overcame the missteps. So I think there's value in that as well. So was this a value-add play or was it already fun? Yes, it was, it was a value-add play that already had tenants uh, involved in it, but it was a, it was a poor tenant base. Uh, the owner was pretty much in trouble and he just had, was just ready to give up. So we came in, we, we basically purchased the property and I had to perform in less than, literally in less than 30 days. So I, I had like a short due diligence period, but he was like, well, we got to do this, you know, soon as possible. I tried to get it extended. It just didn't work. So it was, it was one of those situations where time was of essence and, uh, and I had my back against the wall and I had to come up with some, you know, creative techniques. 
Was this in your own backyard or were you investing out of state on this one? This was in out of state. This was in Atlanta. Okay. Okay. So how did you source the deal? Was it like uh, direct mail or how did you find, come across it? So this particular deal, I had a, another property in Atlanta. And this particular deal, I had a management company that actually gave me a lead and said, well, you know, there's this other property. We happen to know the owner and he's looking to sell. Actually, he's in trouble. <laughs> so there was an introduction that was made there. And uh, that's, that's really how it was sourced. And a lot of my deals pretty much come from that way. I do do some direct mail, or I used to, I should say, I used to do some direct mail, but like a now, uh, a lot of my deals either come through word of mouth or through a relationship that I already have with a broker. So um, those are like the two key methods in which I get deals, broker or word of mouth with somebody in my network. The network matters. Network equals definitely. baby. Definitely, definitely. How definitely. do you, well, let's see, you said that you need, you didn't have the funding in place you needed in order to take it down. Uh, what was the buy price on this? Like three and a half, four? Yeah, th this was an incredible deal. It was actually 2.1. Oh. Right? Yeah, 2.1. 2. Um, we had funding, but the, the situation was is that I was in between deals. And you know when you're in that situation, you need cash, <laughs> right? So especially when we had that 30-day window. So I had to basically create about a half a million dollars in cash. And, I, and, and for this particular deal, I didn't want to bring in a partner. So I felt the best way to do it was, um, which I thought was, creative at the time. Um, I actually had LLCs that I set up uh, and got business funding under the LLCs. Wow. Okay. But you were the sole owner of each one of the different LLCs. No. Good. No, I wasn't the sole owner. <laughs> so that's where the creativity comes into play. So I set up individual LLCs, got business credit under each LLCs, but I have partners um, in each LLC, if it makes sense. It does. And then those LLCs came in to fund the down payment for the deal. And absolutely. That's so, so that made up that gap. And I did this all in 30 days, but, um, I, I basically funded it, came up with that gap that I needed to come up with. And I was able to turn around and, uh, you know, basically eliminate that debt. Uh, very early into the project within the first year from cash flow or refi like how did you what was the the big piece of the deal right you brought so you brought half a million that's probably 20 25 percent of buy how did you did you were you able to get 80 percent financing on it or how did you get the big piece of the debt yeah so i was actually um, for that particular deal i was able to get the seller to hold the note so I got the seller to hold a note. I came up with cash to the deal. And once I took over, I, I basically did some upgrades, put some more money into it, was able to refi out and clarify all the debt and actually took the seller out as well. What did that thing appraise for on the refi? If I told you, you wouldn't believe me, but actually it came in at 3.7 on the refi after we finished all that we done. So we hit like a grand slam home run. And that led me to say, well, you know what? There's a niche here. And there's a way in which we can take these 
Um, that's why I kind of got into, that was the deal that got me into affordable housing. But even though that wasn't affordable housing complex, it was a situation that um, there was the vast majority of the tenants were uh, subsidized, getting subsidy uh, from, you know, like Section 8. Well, you know, there's three different types of uh, Section 8. There's uh, the county, there's the municipality, and there's also the federal. Well, it's the, the state, the federal, and the municipality, right? So we, I learned about from that particular deal, the three different uh, types of Section 8 that we can basically apply for. And that led me into a deep dive into affordable housing in which I, on my future deals in affordable housing, I basically was able to get project-based subsidies, which, which means that the, the, the Section 8 actually comes from the government, from, fe from the federal level, but it doesn't follow the tenants. It actually follows the apartment. So when tenants move out, they lose their Section 8, which is, you know, as a landlord, that's, that's like significant, that's key. So that opened up a whole new, whole new niche that, uh, that allowed me to really create a, 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 a cash flow and some, some leverage um, that I don't see a lot of people talking about. Yeah, uh, we'll have to have you come back and talk about that because that's definitely a specialized niche there. So um, definitely want to come back and do an episode on that. So talk to me more about this, right? So where did you come up with this strategy? Because, I mean, it's pretty savvy to be able to create business credit so quickly. Um, you know, I've tried to get some stuff set up in the past. It's like, well, you just opened the business. We're not going to extend credit to you. We need to see some transactions, you know, some seasoning. So how were you able to, you know, make that, make this thing right? Because, I mean, you did get a killer deal and mm -hmm. I'm mistaken. I mean, you almost doubled the money. Well, you almost doubled the value of the property based on purchase. But when you look at the equity, like you 3X the money that was put into the deal. It, it was an incredible situation. So basically what I had to do basically was this. I actually set up um, five different LLCs. Now, each LLC had a different partner, right? Now, um, basically the way that, that I structure the business finance por portion of it, the business credit portion of it is, I went and got business credit on each individual LLC. Now, um, I wasn't the sole, the sole member of the LLC, so I didn't just leverage, it didn't just leverage just my personal credit. It was a leverage of, the partners in the LLC. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. And so, yeah. so I just basically, you know, and this is just creative, five different LLCs, five different partners, and it really didn't, really wasn't on my personal credit. Yeah, so you use the EIN to get the credit, but did you still have to do the personal guarantee on the? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So whenever, whenever you um, need. Uh, when you have to set up an LLC, the LLC that doesn't have history, you have to use the personal guarantee. And the rule of thumb really is really anything under a million dollars that, that goes that quick, you, you know, you need to you need to basically do a be a PG, get a PG on the on the debt. So uh, the key is, is that if you're, you know, you ever find yourself in that situation, you know, it's a it's a last alternative option. Um, and it you know, something that I, I leaned on. But I've learned subsequently that it's good to go out and get the business credit moving well before that. 
you know, well before you get to that point. Because right now, today, like I have LLCs that have a half a million dollars just in business credit, and they're not personally guaranteed. They're not tied directly to my personal credit or consumer profile. So, but at that time when I was doing that deal, I didn't know that. So my only thought was, how do I just, how do I basically, you know, get this cash as quickly as possible so I don't lose this great opportunity? Yeah. I mean, the thing that I don't want people to miss, like you took the risk, but you had your, your out, right? If you guys would have done the deal and you weren't able to refi, I mean, those interest rates go crazy after that year, you know, you could have been paying 30% interest on, let's see, someone had a hundred K you could be paying $30,000 a year in interest if you weren't able to execute the business plan. Right. Correct. Correct. But I'll tell you this too, as well. So on, you know, on the business credit side of things, right. This is a, this is a tool that I don't use it as much in my toolbox, but if you're really trying to scale quickly, this is a tool that I think that you have to use. You have to have that. So let me just clarify something with the business credit based on what you said. There's business credit out there if you can leverage it right. So prime example, so I have a source that I go to. I can pretty much get 0% from, for the first, some, somewhere between six months to 18 months. So within that time frame, it's, it's like free money. Within that time frame, it's 0% interest. And then obviously if you go above that, you know, yeah, you'll really get squeezed a lot. You know, you're paying like 18%. But um, for that particular deal, you know, I tried to get, uh, you know, those type deals, those 0% financing, at least for the first six months, because I knew that's pretty much the window that I would need to, to conclude the deal and kind of have a good exit strategy. For the uh, for the LLCs, the business partners that I was dealing with on that deal, so key key fact to consider too, and why why you should use business credit is that yes, there's that window zero uh, percent financing from six to eighteen months. This is this is what's available. So if you use it effectively, it's like free money. I like it. So let's talk about your five partners, right? How did you get them to a place where they were comfortable saying, hey, we're going to take $100,000 unsecured, PG it. Uh, How did you get them to a place where they were confident and comfortable to go down this path with you? Well, one thing I did was I basically told them I'm pretty much I was I was a practicing CPA for over 10 years. So I've always had like great business ideas. Um, and, and one of one of the proposals that I made was, look, we got this great opportunity. Uh, if you partner with me on this, I can guarantee you this much return. And this is how I'm going to make this safe. It's really I just had to sell them on the opportunity. I told them that the asset that I was looking to acquire, what the upside was on it. And at that point, it's a no brainer. So the lesson to me, the takeaway is, and this is still true, rings true. That when you find a deal, even if you don't have the money, the first thing to do is get it under contract, right? Get it, secure it. And then when you secure the deal, you know, be creative. Like the money will come. Like if somebody comes to me with the deal, if it's an incredible deal, I'm not going to let that, that deal go. <laughs> you know, we're going to figure out how we're going to close, how we're going to get this thing across the finish line. That, that's really the key. Find the deal first. The money will come because there's money out there 
And even if, even in, in, in places where there's people that don't have a lot of money, if you have really good credit, if you have a really good credit score, that's the same as money. That's leverage, right? So just like we leverage the asset, you can leverage your own credit. You can leverage the credit of your business, lots of different, you know, methods and, and strategies. And, uh, you know, once you have a deal, it just opens up the floodgates for, for all the strategies. And then when you guys refied it, did you go with some type of community bank? Did you go Fannie and Freddie? Like how, who was the takeout? Yeah. So we take out with a local community bank. Um, <clears throat> that's usually my approach, trying to establish relationships. So, um, and I do this across like every market that I'm in. I usually try to get a relationship with the VP of uh, the VP of the bank and the smaller the bank, the better. Um, they're able to just be a true partner with you. They're able to, and a lot of times they're able to have, know the history of the property even before uh, you do, right? Because they're of that community. So you go there and they, they'll say, oh, I know, I remember such and such used to live there or whatever. That's how it's always been. Like I, I've went out and established a relationship with the uh, community bank, uh, somebody that understands the, the property and what we're trying to do. Right. So usually we buy these properties there, you know, in like a C, some in like a C class neighborhood. And, you know, we're trying to upgrade them. We're trying to um, really maximize our rent potential. So they're like, well, yeah, you know, I remember, you know, that either that property went really bad or, you know, I just remember stories from other uh, VPs that I've spoken to. And they always have a story about the property, somebody, either a client or something like they were a child, if they're of that community, maybe as a, as a kid, they went there and they remember, you know, the property used to be nice, but it's not anymore. So it's good to have somebody that has a history and they see what you're trying to do, which is improve the value, fix the place up, provide decent housing for tenants and just be an asset to the community. They want to help. Awesome. Awesome. And I think that's the whole point of the community banks is to be of the community. And absolutely about this um, kind of at a higher level, but I wanted to dig deeper on it. You said that you created, you, you've realized that it was better to create the business credit prior to you actually needing it. And so yes. that's your chain process change going forward. And so I'm trying to apply that against my business model, right? Cause we create a yep. new entity single purpose entity every time we take down a deal. So how do you do that if you're taking down, you're creating a new entity for each deal you're doing? Right, so that's, that's I don't do that strategy anymore. So I have better strategies, but going back to then, that was just something that, was, that I did creatively. But you're asking me how specifically I, I would tackle it. I just want to clarify the question so I can, at the most value. So I, let me, yeah. What's the way that somebody builds that business credit if they're not uh -huh. a bunch of different properties in the same entity, right? Because- Got you, got you. All right, so first rule of thumb, right? Always have, a, 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 when you set up a new entity, like I would try to have your holding company that you have, but you, each entity has a different LLC. So that's the- that's the first rule that I follow. And I just believe that that's a form of asset protection. So maybe you would have like one entity and that one entity owns 
you know, six or seven other LLCs, if that makes sense. So the reason why, the reason why I set, set my structure up like that is for asset protection, and it also provides tremendous tax benefits, right? But we won't get into that. So back into the business credit side of things, right? So with the business credit, um, each LLC, I can get between 100, between 50 to 100,000 of business credit immediately, right? You can get that within five to seven days from each LLC, right? So, um, so from there, but if you have an LLC that's established, if you have an LLC that has some history, some LLC that's not a brand new business, you know, that 50,000 to 100,000 goes up to about 100,000 to 200,000, right? And even deeper than that, if you have two years tax returns, that 100,000 to 200,000 turns into 500,000 of uh, unsecured business line of credit. That's what pretty much, that's pretty much the product of, that we offer, right? So I also, um, and then the other thing is at that particular time, I didn't have the company, but because of that opportunity, I also got into banking, right? So we have a bank, it's called MoneyAv, and you can find them at moneyav.com. And we'll actually do this for you, right? Instead of figuring out, doing it yourself, we'll do this whole process for you. So you basically have the first stage, the quick, if you're doing a deal, we can get you the business credit really, really quick. The second stage, if you have an LLC and maybe you have a little bit of credit and you're looking to get it some maybe 100,000 or 200,000 more, we can do that too. And then the third stage, if you have tax returns, two-year tax returns, we can get you a half a million dollar line of credit in less than 14 days. And this is what we can do at Money Ave. You can check it out. Once again, moneyav.com or you could do it yourself. So I can talk to you about how you can do it yourself or how you can let us do it. And that's the best way to do it because we've perfected the process. We've perfected the skill to get you the money that you need to close your deals. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Uh, and so the final question, Mr. Baker, is what words of wisdom do you have for the listeners? Um, the words of wisdom is, is really just this, like one of the the greatest things of living in America and being in this country is being able to spot opportunity. And we're all going through this COVID situation right now. And a lot of people are going to tell you, you know, the apartment building, you don't want to be in there. You don't want to be in that space. I think it's the exact opposite. I think that uh, there's going to be tremendous amount of opportunity in affordable housing. And I'll, and I'll say that for this reason. I believe that uh, in this country, the person that gets squeezed the most is the middle class, right? You have the upper class, the wealthy, they're going to be all right because they're, uh, they have money and they also are instrumental in crafting uh, the laws because they support a lot of legislators. Um, the lower class is, is, gets tremendous amount of subsidy from the government, right? And in affordable housing, you're, you're pretty much providing housing for the affordable class. So for me, when, when times are rough, it's really just the middle class that, that's really losing their job. It's really the middle class that uh, you have to worry about, um, you know, the long-term viability of a particular project. When, when they, they're going to be affected. They're going to be affecting your projects by, you know, having a higher amount of risk, a higher, uh, a higher vacancy rate. But I think that 
the lower class. I think that the affordable housing sector, I think that that is more stable than the middle class during the recession, my opinion. Awesome, man. Really appreciate you taking time out to share with our listeners and uh, can't wait to hear about your next deal. We'll talk soon. All right. Have a go in. You made it to this juncture, so you really love what we shared on this episode of Myers Methods Presents Multifamily Missteps. Do us a favor. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review and share this with somebody who's interested in multifamily investing. Until the next time, the pack is with you.